Hello and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Kanyas, and today I have a, an episode that I'm really, really excited for. I have Katie Barrows, Communication Director for the Department for Professional Employees, AFL-CIO, and uh, Elizabeth Liz Kidder, uh, who's a steward with OPE Local 39. So as you might have guessed, we're talking about unions, which is something we don't talk about in insurance much, at least in the 10 years that I've been around. Uh, so, 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 uh, Katie, uh, let, let, let's, let, let's start, start, start with, with, with you. Uh, why, why is this important? And, and, and what, what, what is the insurance professional United? Yeah. So, um, Insurance Professionals United is uh, a project between the Department for Professional Employees, AFL-CIO, where I work, and one of our affiliated unions, OPEIU, or the Office and Professional Employees International Union. Um, and OPEIU represents uh, um, workers at a number of insurance companies, including where Liz works at TrueStage. And so um knowing that they uh you know they already have experience uh working with insurance professionals we wanted to partner with opiu opeiu to try to reach even more insurance professionals and grow um the and grow union membership in the insurance industry um and you know opeiu members have a lot of have had a lot of luck uh creating fairer workplaces um securing higher pay and better benefits um and so you know, we think that, um, you know, with more density in the insurance industry that, uh, you know, all working conditions can be lifted up. Um, and, and so that's kind of why we have the Insurance Professionals United campaign and what we're working on with OPEIU. When, when did this uh, campaign start? Uh, the campaign started, oh, like, um, probably a little less than a year ago. Um, I think around, I think we launched our, our campaign website in January, which is it's insuranceprofessionalsunited.org. Uh, and um, from there we've been uh, working to reach non-union insurance professionals um, and try to let them know about the benefits of a union. And then we've also uh, realized that um, you know, insurance professionals, a lot of them have uh, working conditions that are less than ideal. And kind of to inform our campaign, um, we started conducting a survey uh, of work conditions that we've, um, that we've, we're going to be previewing the results, or I can preview the results on this call. But uh, in, in December, we're going to have a, a uh, an event to go over those results. But some of the top lines are that insurance uh, professionals, um, about 74% of them would um, approve of a proposal for a union in their workplace. And then um, unfortunately about 44% of insurance professionals are unsatisfied with their job. Um, and some of the places where they'd like to see improvement is in pay, um, work-life balance and opportunities for promotion. But uh, so we've been kind of trying to use this data to better inform our our project. Um, and, you know, we've been doing a lot of work uh, with OPEIU members like Liz to um, 
to get uh, you know the word out there uh, about that that insurance professionals can form unions and that there are unions for them. Yeah. So so for me, ten ten years in the industry, uh, and and out of those ten years, I spent the first two in claims uh, and quickly ran away. Uh, went went to underwriting, uh, property casualty on, underwriting. Uh, did that for for a little while. Uh, went through a through a leadership development program in finance. Uh, then became a sales manager and finally went back as a middle market underwriter. And, and then I, I've been a recruiter in the industry for the last five or so, uh, last five or six. Uh, and and where where I really saw uh, conditions that that in my mind really just cry out for 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 a union is in the, in, in the property casualty claim space. And, and, and some of it makes sense uh, b- because claims people are, 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 are every call you, you have is somebody that's having a bad day. If they weren't having a bad day, they wouldn't be talking to claims, right? So, so some of it is, is somewhat unavoidable. However, it's made worse by the fact that, that, that almost every claims adjuster I, I, I talk to is consistently buried under a avalanche of work that that is more than than they can possibly handle uh and a lot of of management is very very focused on those metrics uh with very little focus put on on how to handle that and and how to not let it affect you, right? How, how, how to handle the emotional piece of, of, of that. So I've always wondered how come uh, the, I never saw a union with insurance. And, and it's, it's interesting that, that only in the last year you guys start, started that. I'm glad that I found you this, this quickly. Uh, let's, let's go with, 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 with Liz's story. How how did you find out about, about the union and how, how did you become So involved? it was through my workplace. It was the first place that I was able to join a union with True Stage. And it was just something I worked for them for six years and right away opt in because I'm like, oh, yep, I want to be in a union, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so, And I was a really, really bad <laughs> union member <laughs> until um, about a year ago now. It's when I had a house fire. And I went to my company asking for help and they basically completely blew me off and I got no assistance whatsoever for them. And then my husband ended up going into rehab. And so like, I'm all alone with a burned down house. (laughs) And I turned to my union for help. Like I just happened to mention what I was going through and I had my union members reaching out to me saying, how can we help? We're struggling too. We can't really like donate money to you, but like if you need groceries, if you need anything else, like we're here to help you because you're in the union. It means you're not alone. So I really grew into the union throughout this entire year and moved up to be a steward. So now I'm very involved. I would say, Liz, you weren't a bad member before. You just weren't active. Uh, so. uh, but 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 I I am curious. So 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 when you show up at the company and they already have a, have a union, you had a positive 
perception of, yes. of, of the union? Do, do, you, uh, do you come from a family background of lots of union membership <laughs> or, or how, how did that possibly Yeah, perception? so my grandma was assistant dean at the UW-Madison. So she's very pro-union and very liberal and all that. So she ever was like, if you have a chance to join a union, you are being a member. <laughs> okay, grandma. <laughs> Okay, so I, I, I've been working uh, professionally post college since two thousand six, and and it's it's always I, I've always been white collar uh, worker, and and what I what I have found is is, is that that from what I've seen, uh, white collar workers just don't tend to unionize in in the, in, the, in the states. So so either of you would like what, why why is that? Well. I would say that's a little bit of a uh, miss. I mean, it's a like there's maybe not as much publicity over white collar workers okay. or professional workers organizing, but like at DPE, we work with uh, unions with professional union members, and actually there's about 6.3 million uh, professionals and unions in the U.S. Um, so, and that's about somewhere around 43 or 40% of the labor movement. So actually professionals now are, are a decent okay, chunk of wow. the labor movement. Um, so like engineers at Boeing, insurance professionals like Liz, um, librarians, uh, uh, digital journalists, um, you know, uh, lawyers at nonprofits, all, all sorts of uh, professionals are in union. I think it's just, um, you know, that a lot of people don't know about it and they, you know, unions are less, um, are at least in recent years, or I mean, in like, you know, the recent history, unions have been kind of less prominently featured in the news. Now that's changing a little bit with some of the strikes that have been going on and um, some of the big organizing campaigns. Um, but uh, I think that once professionals understand that they can unionize, and that they can make workplace changes uh, with a collective voice that uh, they become more interested in, in, in joining together in union. Um, I guess I'll turn over to Liz if you wanna talk more about the union uh, in your workplace. Yeah. So uh, for my union, we have been fighting for close to 600 days now for a fair contract with True Stage. Uh, we have gone on strikes, we've done monthly rallies now with politicians and getting speakers and everything to come. Um, my union was the most supporting union that I think I could have ever asked for. It's been a really positive experience, even though we're going through a crappy situation with my employer, but they've been really positive and really fighting for what needs to change and what needs to happen in our workplace just to be comfortable. I mean, with everything I went through, now I'm completely drained. I don't have any financial backbone. You know, when a fire happens, they pay for just the fire damage. They don't pay for anything that needs to be brought up to code that the fire didn't touch. So like my entire back of the house had to be rewired and some structural things needed to be fixed. And that came out of my pocket. So. I haven't gotten a raise in two years now with inflation being 11% and all those construction supplies, man, it really sucked. But I had my union and 
I really became a voice for my union. I've spoken at both rallies now and really grew into a better human being, I think, <laughs> because of my union. And, and Liz, some of the stuff you're, you guys are, are working towards includes raises yes. and like you're, you have like a voice in the process that, I don't know if you want, uh, you ha I don't, if you have friends in other insurance companies without unions, if you have any comparison to that. Yeah. Or... I mean, I have a couple friends that are, and they just have to ask for a raise and they go to their manager and their manager goes, nope, sorry, <laughs> I don't have money in the budget. And that's kind of the excuse you get every single company. Well, I can go to my manager too and be like, hey, I want a raise. But with the union, it's in our contract. Every single year we get a raise. Every single year we get a bonus because my union fought for that. My union fought for HMOs and insurance and affordable health care FSAs and all that. And there's other people that are on the same team as I am who don't have the union. So they don't have HMOs, they don't have pensions, they don't have like all the stuff that I have because my union want it. How, how, how does that work? How, how, do you, how do you end up with, with people on the same team, some of whom are, are you yes. some of whom are not? Did they self-select on the way? So it's or? how the uh, position is coded itself. So I'm represented, that's, I can join the union non-represented can't. And it was kind of when, um, we have three locations. We have Waverly, Texas, or I'm sorry, Waverly is Iowa, Texas, and then um, Madison. And Waverly is not unionized. It never was, but Madison was. So if you get a job in Madison or like a remote Madison occupation, you can join the union. Now, since that's a other non-representative area, that's kind of our next goal is how do we unionize them? Because I mean, I'm doing the same job as 80% of my team, but I have so much protection, which they don't. So, so it's, it's deeply tied to yeah, the location. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically each location has to vote independently to unionize. I mean, generally, uh, for, with the national labor relations board, uh, the national labor relations act, there's something that's called the community of interest. Um, and if you're in a community of interest and you're not a manager, so you don't, um, or a supervisor and you don't have hiring and firing power and you're not in HR, um, then generally, you know, uh, community of interest can be sliced a couple different ways, but I, in, and it kind of changes, um, depending on who's in political office and who appointed, uh, the, uh, folks to, to the NLRB. Um, but generally location is a really easy way to define a uh, community of interest. So a lot of times it will be location by location, um, as opposed to like job title, job title by job title, um, like through the whole US, but you could potentially have a unit that's like one job title at one location, or it, it just like, uh, the, depends on the community of interest that was defined. And um, in a lot of cases it ends up being the physical workplace or the physical office that they're like associated with um but it's not always the case okay so so theoretically you could organize all of claims reps in in in, in the company that are that's not what i'm hoping to do by joining and being a steward is what 
our next goal is after we obtain a fair contract is how do we unionize more of the workplace? Because unfortunately, um, the employer has gotten rid of a lot of union jobs and brought in contractors and stuff like that. So they went from 1500 union workers. Now we're down to like around 500. So. And it, how, how, how does the law protect us from that happening? I'm sure that's the number one question people have is, is okay, we unionize, what keeps the employer for, for, from basically just replacing us with, with non-union or, or with contract work? Yeah, so what the contract really protects you there. And if they don't follow it, they get unfair labor practice charges against them with the federal labor. And we have multiple of those <laughs> against our employer right now because they violated the contract. We already won one of them. Yeah, so the National Labor Relations Board will, uh, you know, review the, the unfair labor practice and then, you know, issue whether, uh, you know, the company has violated federal labor law. Um, additionally, I would say that a number, like, you know, the law in many ways could be improved. Um, you know, unions are really have been uh, supportive of the PRO Act that we kind of um, uh, like make enforcement mechanisms stronger. But another thing about having a union is like, it's always your like collective voice. And so, you know, the more folks you have in a workplace, um, you know, flexing for something, uh, the more power you're going to have. But a lot of... Uh, a fair amount of union contracts are, are putting in provisions to um, protect against out, outsourcing. And so if that's violated, like in Liz's case, then, then you can go to the board about it. Okay. Uh, Kitty, at the beginning, you, you, you mentioned that a lot of what you do is, is help professionals understand what are the benefits of, of joining a union. What, what, what are the main benefits? I would say the, the bigger, like the, the top benefit that a lot of people think about when they think of unions is um, higher pay. Um, I think the most recent um, uh, BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics data, said that union members on average make 20% more. And then, you know, within certain job titles that are union, um, you know, the premium is even higher. But also um, for, um, for uh, people of color and for um, women, uh, unions union membership tends to narrow the wage gap. Um, and a lot of that's because, uh, you know, there's pay transparency. Um, uh, unions have been negotiating for pay equity reviews to, to make uh, salary adjustments if, uh, you know, people are paid unfairly, um, you know, based on a characteristic. Um, and then, you know, union members tend to have uh, you know, better benefits, like better uh, health insurance plans with like lower premiums and also, um, you know, better retirement plans. Like you, a lot of union members still have pensions, which is kind of yeah. unheard of in the, in the private <laughs> sector a lot of times. Yep. Those are everything that my union won. And for someone in my position, they don't have it. They completely do not have a pension. They do not have um healthcare really <laughs> it's really ridiculous what my other co-workers don't have and what i have 
so so uh, 20, 2023 has been a fantastic year for for, for unions uh, with with Starbucks uh, and and several others. Uh, the the, the uh, United Auto Workers just came to an agreement with with with, with, with the auto companies. Uh, Screenwriters Guild and the Actors Guild. So basically, it, it, there's been we're, we're finally seeing them in the news, which we hadn't for for a long time. Uh, how how can we help keep pushing this, especially with within our white collar world of insurance? We actually just had a rally, <laughs> um, not last weekend, but the one before, and it was with Starbucks. It was with um, the nurses, Starbucks. Um, sourdough and MG&E and then us. So we were just came together collectively and shared what our struggles are with our employer and how we keep it moving forward, that unions are really the future and people need to get on board with it. And I would add to that, that if, uh, you know, folks in non-union workplaces, if they, um, you know, the more density, so the more uh, that unions have in the industry and in the overall workforce, the more power working people have. Um, and so I would say if, uh, you know, folks are, you know, want a real legally protected voice in their workplace that they should um, reach out about forming a union and learn about the process. As I mentioned before, on December uh, 5th, we will be hosting um, a program that will go over the union organizing process as well as that, that survey data I talked about. Um, but you know, it's like organizing and standing together is really how we, we get more power, um, you know, overall. So I'm guessing the majority of the listeners probably almost all are in non-organized, uh, workplaces. How does the process start? Well, so, so they give you a call. And, and what, what, what does the process look like to, to make this happen? So yeah, if they reach out to DPE, we're a coalition of unions. So we connect folks to our affiliated unions like OPEIU. Um, and so we would schedule a call. I would talk to them about their workplace, find out how many coworkers they have, where they're like, you know, they may work remote, but where's their office generally located? Um, and, uh, you know, make sure they're, talk to them to make sure they're not a supervisor. Um, so if you're, you know, we, we go over that information and then um, I would ask if they wanted to be connect to a union organizer at one of our affiliates. And so then I would make the connection there. Um, and then generally an organizer, each is a little, like has a little bit different approach, but the general process is that they would work with you to what, what's called map your workplace. So see, um, who all the non-supervisor employees are and kind of make, I mean, the real simplest form is like an Excel spreadsheet. And then you would um, start going and talking to these coworkers um, about what changes they would like to see in their workplace. And those conversations would lead uh, to questions about whether they would support a union. And then um, the most supportive employees uh, generally tend to get recruited to what's called the organizing committee, which is about, you know, 10% of the, the workplace of um, union eligible employees. And those folks would kind of drive the union organizing campaign and uh, keep track of talking to all their coworkers 
and assessing their unit support. Um, and once there's a supermajority of support, uh, generally what are called a unit authorization cards are dropped. Um, and these cards um, basically are, they're legally required to file for a uh, election with the National Labor Relations Board. Um, and you generally need 30%, but you know, we want, most unions want a super majority to file. And so you would go back to your supporters and get them all to sign cards. Once you have enough cards, you would file with the National Labor Relations Board. And that's when um, your employer would be told by the National Labor Relations Board that their employees want to form a union. Um, and then you would work with the, the, the union, the employer and the board work together to find an election date. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually you would vote in the election. And if you have a majority of the votes, then you win your union. That's kind of the quick and dirty. Okay. Are, 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 are you protected from, from legally from, from retaliation during the forming process? Like, like when you're starting those conversations with, with your... Generally, you're not protected until you, uh, you know, you file for a union election. Um, so a lot of times you, you know, want to keep the organizing campaign pretty under wraps um, until that point. Because um, really, the, the, the more public you become, the more protection you, you get. But um, you, you know, don't want to become public before you have a good support in your workplace. But um, yeah, the law will protect you from retaliation. Um, and, uh, you know, if they, you know, uh, fire you or if they um, reprimand you in any way, that's an unfair labor practice. And um, it's something you would you would go to the board about. Okay, so, so as, as part of, of the organizing training, so, so to speak, uh, you kind of show us best practices on, on how to get the word out without uh, going public yet. Yeah. Without so getting in trouble early. An organizer would work well, like when I connect someone with an organizer, they're, you know, professional, they've done a lot of these campaigns, they will be able to work with you to kind of uh, understand the best practices of keeping it under wraps until you're ready. Um, some things are like, don't use your work, uh, email address or your work phone or your work computer to, uh, connect with your coworkers, um, connect with, if you want to like talk to them about the union, do it on your lunchtime or after work or before work or on breaks. Um, you know, and, you know, generally don't discuss this with managers. Um, but an organizer would really tell you the best practices and they're, they're to kind of walk the employees for the process. Okay. Okay. And and the the, the main website is uh, insurancepersonsunited.org. Org, correct. Dot org. Okay. Well, uh, thank you both for your time. It it is uh, truly exciting and heartening that 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 unions are are finally having a, a comeback after decades of. of of kind of being on 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 defense, uh, and wonderful to, to see it happening in, in in our in our world of insurance, where where it is deeply necessary, at least in, in some parts of our of our industry. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.